and welcome to the Filene Fill-In, the podcast where we fill you in on what's been going on here at Filene's home base and out and about in the financial services world. I'm Holly Fearing with Filene, and today I've got for you part two of our Filene 360 episode. This continues where we left off after part one and features three game show throwback tributes. Hopefully you'll learn something about what Filene is focused on for the year ahead, gain some industry insights, and be nostalgically whipped back to a simpler time. For me, many of these game shows trigger memories of snow days and sick days, warm and cozy and safe and cared for at home. What memories do these game shows trigger for you? I'd love to hear your thoughts. Or if you have a great epiphany listening to what we cover during the show, I definitely want to know. So write us a comment or shoot me an email. And speaking of that, an obligatory reminder for those listening today that you can catch all future episodes of the Filene Fill-In podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, or SoundCloud. Go ahead and uh, leave us a comment if you are so inclined, and give us a rating if you like what you hear. It'll help us get this podcast out to more folks, so I really appreciate it. And as always, if you'd like to suggest something for a future show, tweet us at Filene Research or email me at hollyf at filene.org. Thank you so much for listening to our podcast. Now, let's let the games begin. Did I mention that this is part two of this podcast? So if you haven't yet listened to part one, you may want to stop and go listen to that episode first. Then you can come on back to this one. And yeah, it's okay. I will wait for you right here. All right, is everyone back? Great. Let's go. Right where we left off with Mark introducing our game show host. So what's going to happen in a moment, how we're going to do this, we're going to apply some of our own research on gamification and a little you know, salt and pepper of filing fun. And you're going to, anybody remember the game shows back in the day when you went to college and you had time to be classes and you watched game shows? Um, we're going to take a trip down memory lane with uh, game shows. I assure you, as you go through this, you will pick up at least one or two insights that will be very helpful for you, your organizations, in ensuring some of the things that will reflect in their opportunities for credit unions and their members and how to apply those in your organization. So let me introduce to you our game show host for Finally 360, uh, Adam Barker, the brother of Bob Barker. Adam? <laughs> start with research because everything we do at Berlin starts with research. And then we're going to move into innovation, where the ideas, like our contestants today on stage, will be put to the test to see what really works. And finally, we're going to wrap up with impact programming, where the good ideas that percolate to the top are put into action to make a direct impact in the lives of consumers across the country. And without further ado, let's get into the action as well with our first game, Who Wants to Be a Millionaire? For our first contestants, will the fabulous Greg Miglin please come up to the stage? Welcome, Greg. How 
about yourself? Where do you work? I work at the Credit Union National Association mm -hmm. in the engagement area. Fantastic. And which credit union do you belong to? I belong to several credit unions. I belong to <laughs> Ultra Federal Credit Union in Alaska slash La Crosse, Wisconsin, and Garden Savings Federal Credit Union in Parsippany, New Jersey. Fantastic. Wow. Real baller here today. Let's get into the game. Now, you may be familiar with who wants to be a millionaire, yes? Yes, sir. Good. Well, we're going to take and put a few modifications on the game. First, we're going to ask you a series of four questions. Okay. You only have one lifeline to phone a friend, which you can use at your disposal. Okay. All right? And if you can answer all four questions right, you will win one million dollars. Hold on a second. And our producer is saying you do not have a million dollars. They are a small nonprofit. <laughs> you will win a fabulous prize, I promise. Okay. Are you still in? I'm in. All right. Let's get to our first question. <laughs> what has been at the core of Fightland's initial business founding? A. Developing strategies to maximize bank profits. B, research on topics related to consumer finance and credit unions. C, investigating the riot carriers and receive microphone malfunctions. Or D, searching for the perfect cheese cut. Well, first of all, I do have an eye appointment on Friday, so I'm going to do my best to read that. And Mariah Carey's one, I think, is pretty uh, intriguing, as that was yes. an issue. But I'm going to go with B. B, final answer. Yes, it was. Very good. <laughs> Let's move on to question number two. Are you ready? <laughs> Which of these is not the title of a current Philene Center of Excellence? A, consumer decision making. B, organizational entrepreneurship. C, the war for talent. Or D, the Derek Zoolander Center for Kids Who Can't Read Good and Walk Around to the Not. You do. I suggest you do not use it now. Okay, I'll go with D. Final answer? Yes, final answer. Yes, it is D. We're getting hot here. Two in a row. Let's move on to question number three. Finally, research into online millennial money chat, the most predominant tone used in money blogs was anger. What was the second most often identified tone in millennial money blogs? Was it A, disgust, B, fear, C, joy, D, sadness? What's that? You want to phone a friend? Let's call to that friend yeah. right now. Great <laughs> idea. Let's get Andrew Downer on the phone, your friend. That's exactly what I was thinking. That's Andrew, are you on the phone? I do not want to subscribe to the Wisconsin State Journal. No. I can hear you just fine, just waking up here. Thank you. Okay, here's a question. We're on the clock. I'm going to read you this question, Andrew. By leading research into online millennial money chat, revealed that the most predominant tone used in money blogs was anger. What was the second most often identified tone in millennial money blogs? Was A, disgust, B, fear, C, joy, or D, sadness? Oh boy. Oh boy. Uh, oh boy. Ten seconds. I, I feel like I should know this. Is it A? Is it D? C? Maybe C. Five seconds, Andrew. Uh, I'm really joyful, and that is B. B. Here, B. 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 What is your final answer? 
Peter's a good guy. Trust him. I know Peter's answer. B. Fear. Final answer. Yes. Yes. This is it. Question number four. For all the marbles, for the nine million dollars, and the chance of fabulous prizes, and the glory of who wants to be a Philene? The use of QSOs by credit unions to formally explore new innovations is an example of structural ambidexterity, sequential ambidexterity, corporate ambidexterity, or contextual ambidexterity. I'm going to go with A. I see that you're thinking very hard into this. Is that your final answer? It might not be. <laughs> Uh, sponsored by Community Mutual Group, and we're very uh, 
unfortunate and thankful for that. Uh, so what we've done is we really focused that research attention on these themes. We're producing two to three reports, outputs per year, uh, and we're trying to make our research a bit more digestible too. So again, go back to the late 90s, early 2000s, these white papers, 30, 40 page papers, lots of footnotes, really good, really gets the research uh, you know, hair on the back of my neck standing up. Not my back, my back of my neck. <laughs> but we know that not a lot of credit executives, other leaders have time to read those four page white papers. So what you're probably seeing more so than now than ever before is more interactive infographics, videos, all sorts of ways in which we can take the research that we're producing and connect it to crediting needs more uh, in a more palpable way. And you talked a little bit about the center of excellence, the consumer decision making. And finally, recently published research for that center of excellence using a very novel research methodology called netnography. Netnography. Sounds like a new game show. I think we should think about that. To better understand how millennials approach financial matters. Tell me a little bit more about this research. Yeah, so. Uh, it, the, the, the concept that millennials matter to credit unions is nothing new. That, that's not novel. Um, and we all realize that we need to uh, meet their needs. They're, they're engaging with financial institutions in, in new ways, different ways. They're approaching financial decisions in different ways. What we did, though, is we took a step back and said, before we decide what types of products we need to develop, how we're going to communicate to them, we need to understand how millennials actually talk about money. So this concept of netnography actually involved us going out and looking at how millennials talk about money on Twitter, on financial blogs, on other online uh, forums. Uh, we uh, analyzed thousands of tweets, um, lots of money blogs, to really see how do millennials talk about money online. And I believe we actually have some video to talk about this concept. Let's, well, let's, let's uh, cue that. Let's go to the clip. Financial institutions say one thing, but millennials often hear something else. Take borrowing. Lenders like to show new cars, beautiful homes, and shopping sprees. An online ethnography study by Filene uncovered the mindful side of millennials' feelings about debt. We say affordable. We say hashtag struggle. Get it? Frugal plus struggle. We say finance now. We have FOMO, fear of missing out. We focus on experiences instead of things. We say build credit. We say get out of debt. Their responsibilities are heating up. Google searches of the keyword adulting has seen a six-fold increase in just one year. To learn more about Millennials' money chatter, download the full report at filene.org. So, FOMO, hashtag Fruggle, all this. I mean, it, it, I, 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 I'm 42 now, and uh, I'm like, what the heck are they talking about? What am I but, but, but these are really the things that, that Millennials are saying. It was really an eye-opening uh, report for us because it identified, uh, beyond even the words that are being used, the images, there is, uh, believe it or not, a lot of uh, slavery image, imagery that's, uh, that Millennials use when talking about debt, that they're looking at debt not necessarily as a means to something better, like buying a home, transportation, but truly as something that's binding them to a place that they, they can't get out of. And beyond
beyond kind of the words and the imagery that we uh, discovered through this research, uh, the emotion. So we saw in one of the questions, uh, the number one emotion that came through, so we used IBM's Watson computer to analyze these thousands of tweets, identify the emotion that was being uh, you know, kind of conveyed behind the scenes. Uh, anger, fear, millennials are not approaching financial products in a positive way. And the insight, the importance for creating inside resistant organizations is that kind of our traditional marketing campaigns of showing the people with the new car and the shiny keys and the happiness, that isn't necessarily going to resonate with them. More practical points around cost and what does it mean to you today are really ways in which we can, as credit and system partners, better, better market these products. It sounds like for millennials, there's going to need a lot of new innovative solutions. And in your prior work with the innovation team, you worked a lot with coming up with those new novel products. We'll get to innovation more in depth later. But based on the research side of the work that you're doing now, what kind of insights can you draw from the research side to help credit become better innovators? Yeah, so in my role, and I agree, one of the things that I saw over the past few years and many of us have is that credit I think, finally have realized that there is an imperative to innovation around new products and coming up with uh, new novel ways of serving members. Uh, and what we've been able to do over the last few years is provide those tools in the process. But uh, in some of the research that Dennis Campbell from Harvard did, we took a step back and said, okay, before we get to the products, before we get to the process, do we have our organization set up appropriately uh, in a way that can uh, really lead us toward innovation? And so we looked at a number of different industries, and in the literature, this concept of organizational ambidexterity and this was, I hinted at one of the questions, and again, great, congratulations on doing such a good job with that corporate ambience here. But it's this idea that as organizations, and this again applies to credit unions, it applies to manufacturing, whatever the case, we have to both exploit our current business lines, and the use of the word exploit isn't a negative here, it's basically saying, how can we bring efficiency to what we're doing well today? But we also need to explore what's coming around the corner. So this exploit versus explore kind of tug of, uh, tug of war that, um, that organizations have to look for. And it really requires ambidexterity. You can't do one, you can't do the other. There's not one perfect combination. Uh, and we looked at a number of different ways that organizations can approach this. So that corporate ambidexterity, QSOs are a great example of this, where credit unions uh, many times will focus their own kind of traditional efforts on exploiting current business lines. So let's get you know, auto loans out to members at the most efficient way possible. Yeah, with QSOs and other forms of collaboration, corporate structures, they're able to carve out other organizations that can really focus on the explore side, the innovation side. Another way that we've looked at it is uh, through uh, contextual ambidexterity. So rather than kind of carve out, okay, these 10 folks are going to be our innovators, which actually works. Think about Alphabet, so now the parent company for Google. We've got Alphabet, we've got Google. They actually have their company called X which is basically a corporate ambidexterity uh, example where they've taken another organization that kind of said, these are going to be the innovators. The opposite of that is the contextual say, okay, we know every department needs to innovate. Let's give them the tools and the freedom to innovate during their daily job. So really one of the insights with writing is there is that you have to identify what is the best structure for you, really explore the opportunity that comes from QSOs for corporate ambidexterity, and don't just focus on exploiting you talked a lot about exploring, thinking forward. What's next on the horizon for Fulin Research? What can we expect soon in the near future? Yeah, so it's really an exciting year for us because we're, we're uh, you know, wrapping up uh, the opening of all five of our centers of excellence. Uh, we'll be announcing soon our fifth center, the War for Talent. 
uh, and all the, the work that's going on around there. We've got a couple colloquia coming up. So the colloquia are great opportunities for us to share a lot of our research uh, with credit unions around the country. So we've got one in April coming up out, uh, out of Stanford, one in May at uh, UC Irvine. Uh, and beyond that, uh, just as a teaser, and some of the people in the room may have seen some of this uh, research, we've uh, just wrapped up some research around sentiment for consumer borrowing. So we know that loan balances are important for credit unions. Back that up, it comes back to originations. We know that people are going to take out loans, but we want to understand today what is the intent for consumers to borrow when they're not looked six months out. And that's not a very rosy picture, probably no surprise. In fact, 93% of the participants in the survey, about 1,200 participants, said that they had no intention of borrowing in the next six months. 41% of them said, under no circumstances will they borrow. Now, we know that intent today doesn't always lead to you know, the same action tomorrow. Uh, but there's been a lot of uncertainty, certainly with the, the election. Regardless of the outcome of the election, you know, traditionally we see a lot of uncertainty around the, the economic climate. That um, one of the major reasons people did not uh, express an interest in borrowing is because of the uncertainty. So hopefully as we turn this corner, we get, begin to see a bit more certainty and we'll see that borrowing uh, pick up. But uh, that's some research that we'll be uh, sharing over the next couple of uh, months and look forward to, to kind of tracing that over the next several years. Fantastic. Thanks for sharing, Andrew. Do we have any quick questions from the audience for Andrew while we have our fabulous sponsor here on stage? Any quick questions? And that we'll have some time later on. Get them in your head and we will approach them later. Yes, we have one right here. I have a question that relates. I'm Bert I'm with the Credit Union National Association. I have a question that relates to technology. Um, Rocket Loans, for example, was conceptualized in the 1990s, and it took several years for it to go to market. And I think what would really be helpful for credit unions is just not knowing that innovations are coming down the pike, so it's not even an inflection point. We know that it's always going to, going to go up and increase. Are you guys keeping a pulse of what you think would be the next big thing that credit unions should be aware of, not much on a general scheme, but more of a specific, this is the next, um, I don't know, lending platform, a new app that millennials would like. And so that credit unions could actually prepare of what's more like what's around the corner as opposed to we know that this is the avenue that we're all looking at at the moment and we know this is the world that's facing us. Yeah, a really good question, and something that we uh, uh, will be tackling in our Emerging Technology Center of Excellence. Uh, and one of the, the technologies, and, and somebody mentioned it uh, earlier this morning, uh, that we're really paying attention to is artificial intelligence. Uh, and there are a lot of operational efficiency uh, uh, opportunities for credit unions, but we see a lot of opportunity from the member perspective as well. Uh, interesting, and yeah, you bring up the Rock Mortgage example and the, the time it's taken to get that to market, uh, and, and the fact that the way they advertise that experience isn't necessarily the actual experience. Um, so there, there is a, kind of an awareness gap that credit unions need to look at and say, hey, we have a similar experience. But focused on uh, artificial intelligence, I mean, there's a lot that's coming around the corner uh, with devices like Google Home. Uh, well, we've already seen a use case where if you've got a Gmail account, um, you probably have many credit card offers in your, you know, your Gmail. There's a use case to say, okay, Google, uh, take all my credit card balances and uh, transfer them to the lowest rate balance transfer offer, offer I've received in the last six months. Great advantages for the member. Great opportunities, but also admittedly some risks for credit unions. So it's important, we think, for credit unions to really be uh, looking around that corner, like you said, uh, on the opportunities with artificial intelligence. Perfect. All right. 
Let's keep moving on here. So we got a lot more fabulous prizes to hand out. So Andrew, thank you very much. I appreciate your time. We'll see you back in a mix. All right, let's move on to our next game, one of America's favorites. This is The Price is Right. Well, our next fabulous contestant, Angela Pressel, please come on. Question number two. How many times do you go work 
Helping credit unions are currently participating in Feline's Financial Empowerment Incubator, an incubator testing biopharmacy product ideas across North America for the benefit of minority populations. Seven. 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 <laughs> Five times I've been on this stage. <laughs> What are you throwing? 35. 35! <laughs> 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 oh, yes, Angela, that was fantastic. Yeah. Right answer is 38. 38 credit units testing. Let's give her a round of applause. Yes. Perhaps we can have audience participation as well. So let's shout it out here in this final question. Feline's I4 incubator takes ideas from I3 and makes them real. We tested five ideas in 2016. How many failed to progress to the next stage of product development? Remember, we tested five ideas. Yeah, tested five. How many failed? So we it has to be less than five, perhaps. Oh, boy, he's real close to the end. I'm going to say three. Three. Your? I think you fell backwards there because the correct answer is three. Swag in the bag, you get a one hour goal setting session with Mark Meyer at the Bonfire Grill. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Well, the thing here has been working so hard today, you're like, I think we make an excuse his voice. We'll get him to talk a little bit about what's going on in Feline's innovation area, right? And George, innovation is one of those buzzwords that everyone talks about. Everyone talks about. We've heard it at least 10 times today. Now, Feline has close to 15 years of experience in this field, but what does it mean to you and Feline as the cliffhanger? And why is it important for the credit union system to use innovation to scale the highest mountain? Like you did. Those are some really good metaphors. <laughs> <laughs> no, so uh, innovation is, is considered a buzzword. We've been doing this for 13 years now uh, in conjunction with credit unions to help conserve uh, and solve consumer problems. And you know, fundamentally, all innovation is about is solving problems that haven't been solved before uh, in new and novel ways. Um, so the, you know, when we think about uh, the, the impact that this concept of innovation can have within consumer finance, you know, it's, it's an industry where there are uh, lots of problems to be solved uh, from a consumer angle. Uh, you know, we, we look at over 20% of households in the U.S. are unbanked or underbanked. And uh, how do you bring them into into the uh, traditional financial services sector? That's what that's that's a way uh, of, of approaching innovation and, and looking at it. So just fundamentally, kind of taking all of the buzzwords around out of it, um, it's it's all about solving problems. And the great news for for credit unions and organizations represented in this room is that there's a really great process that we can utilize to kind of get people to that stage of solving problems. And uh, you don't have to be the most creative person in the world. Uh, there, is a, there is a fundamental process that we feel like we've learned uh, within the financial services sector uh, to help solve those problems in, uh, in, in new and unique ways. Cool. What is one of the most favorite innovations that you've seen come out of Fulian over the past couple of years? I'll start with one that has not come out of Fulian. Mm. Um, and uh, it's, it's a personal care item uh, that, that I got for Christmas. Uh, <laughs> and, and a lot of people here are wearing glasses. Does, do those glasses ever fall down off your nose a little bit? Yeah. 
There's a great thing I got, and it looks like a tube of chapstick, and it's called Nerd Wax. <laughs> it's the best. I'm not being paid by Nerd Wax, but you, you basically put it on, on, on your glasses, and they don't fall down. <laughs> it's kind of like the optograph from the from the jerk um, with Steve Martin. Uh, but I digress. <laughs> well, the, the, the point the point of this is is that it's a very simple innovation. And looking at some of the innovations that are occurring in Filene, the ones that are quite simple are the ones that are most effective. Uh, I'll point to one specifically. I was just in D.C. a few weeks ago working with an organization that's testing one of our ideas uh, from, from a previous incubator. It's called Employer Sponsored Small Dollar Loan. Um, so it's kind of a mouthful and we, we need to work on the marketing of it, but the concept is really simple and it goes back to the original concept of how credit unions started in the first place. The idea works like this. The credit union creates a relationship or has a relationship with an employer and uh, basically issues small dollar loans up to $2,000 where you know, the employees previously may have gone to a non-traditional lender, like a payday lender or a check casher, to get that loan. And everything is facilitated through the employer, at the employer site, through the Human Resources Department. The, the monies are paid back through um, direct deposit relationships that the, that the uh, employee has with the credit union. And it's solving a problem that tons of people have, which is the need for short-term uh, monies uh, to meet uh, emergency, emergency payments. So, uh, you know, something simple can be very innovative and very effective, and what we're learning with that is that, number one, it's profitable for credit unions to offer, number two, consumers love it, uh, and then number three, employers absolutely love it, because prior to that, they were basically, the uh, owners of businesses were offering personal loans directly to, to their employees, so this offers a nice little uh, balancing act for them. Now, that was a fantastic example of something, a success that came out of some of the incubator testing, but do all the programs that fully that test or all the innovative ideas turn into real action for consumers? Unfortunately not, but uh, you know, I think everyone here who's been part of product development or innovation uh, competency realizes that it's kind of a messy game. Uh, so our hit rate, quite honestly, you know, if you look at all of the ideas that have been generated by I3 over the past 13 years, uh, over 200 ideas, uh, only a handful have actually made it to the marketplace. So you have to be very comfortable with uh, you know, that, that word failure uh, and uh, kind of learning learning uh, what works, what doesn't uh, going forward. So uh, we're, we're committed to that, um, to that, to that concept and uh, testing the ideas that potentially may not make it to, um, to the marketplace today. But what we've also found is that ideas that have failed in the past can kind of come into vogue years down the road. So uh, that's another thing to keep in mind. Awesome. Very good. Well, for the sake of time, to make sure that we don't upset our producers here, let's move on to our next game. Let's give a big round of applause for Jordan. <laughs> Prompts of which I will read. There will be those prompts on the board. 
The first person to buzz in and get a correct answer on the board will control the board for the remainder of the game and pursue the fabulous prize. The loser will be asked to leave the stage immediately. <laughs> Are we ready? I think so. Perfect. Let's go on to our prompt here. All right, so the prompt is, now again, there we have our top five issues on the board. And what I'll explain here, this applies to all industries, not just the financial service sector. All right, keep that in mind. Top five issues related to the following. According to a study done by Harvard Business Review, a majority of consumers report excessive effort in service interactions. What were those top issues? Yes. <laughs> Go ahead. Can you repeat the question? You're taking way too much effort in thinking about this question. Too much effort. Too much effort. Let's go to the survey. Survey says yes. 59% of respondents indicated that too much effort was involved in the service interactions. Kansley, we'll get back to you in just a second. Thank you for playing. We will see you momentarily. All right. Are we ready to go on to the remainder of the game? Sure. All right. Again, top five answers are on the board. I got number three out of the way. I'll read it again. According to a study done by Harvard Business Review, a majority of consumers report excessive effort in service interactions. What are those top issues that they faced? Uh... You got this. Anything. Uh... Oh! get three strikes. All right. Hang in here with me, buddy, all right? You got another one? You want me to read it again? No, uh, I'll go for, um... <laughs> I don't want to have to transfer you to anyone else in the room to get the I'll, answer. I'll go for, um... Uh, not accessible. Not accessible, like as in you have to contact the company multiple times. That's exactly what I was thinking. Survey says... <laughs> yes, repeated contact. Not trustworthy. Not trustworthy. Oh, hang on, I'll in here. All right, three more answers to go. Two strikes. Do you think we can do it, audience? Do you think we can get in here? Come on. Any other? If you want to call it to the audience, any other ideas? I mean, I'll ask the audience, right? That's this game show. <laughs> It's just like having to switch your brain when you're on a computer and then you have to pick up the phone and call. It's very confusing, right? If you have to do that to get an answer. Yeah, I right? don't like having to call people. Right, switching from web to phone. Yes. Survey says? <laughs> yes. 57% of respondents said it was very difficult to switch from web to phone. All right, what are you dealing with here? Um... Okay, she's had to, you know, switch between a lot of people. You get passed from one member of the audience that tells the answer, then you get transferred to another one, then you get transferred to another one. That seems excessive. Yeah, um, being batted from pillar to post, I never know who I'm dealing with. Too many transfers, yes. right? Let's go to the survey. Says <laughs> too many transfers. <laughs> All right. I had a feeling that would be that. I. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we're going to test 
sticky number five. And if I have to repeat the question one more time, I have to re-explain myself again. I don't think this would be I don't very troubling for you. I think the problem is um, people get tired, they don't have it explained to them often enough. Right, and that's right. They have to right. re-explain the issues multiple times. Yeah. So check it out. Survey says, yes, we have a Hi, my name is Adam Lee. You may remember me from the TV show Fireween 360. Now, like many of you, I had problems with my credit union until that is, I found Fireween Impact Programming. Fireween Impact Programming, all you have to do is take it and apply it liberally to your joints and other credit union things. And <laughs> And to tell you more about this new, fabulous, and innovative product is Tansley Stern, Chief Impact Officer at Believe Research Institute. Tansley. This is the only product that you need. It will improve every journey that you have with your credit Fantastic. Thank you, Tansley. So tell us a little bit more about this journey that Filene has been on to work with credit unions and their member journey. So it started with our Amazon pilot, where we discovered that Canadians had this big opportunity to improve in this digital age and make the member experience more seamless through their web channels. And from there, we, from the Harvard Business Review work, did some research on member effort and helped to benchmark for Canadians where is effort really high for our members and how do we then translate that into making it more easy for our members to use us. Because today, the one thing that almost everyone wants back is their time. And if we can give that back to people, then we will hopefully be the place that they choose to come to. Perfect. Now, I understand that a new pilot is about to launch in early 2017 that connects closely to member journey efforts and will help credit unions improve their onboarding process. What is this onboardability process? I'm assuming it doesn't have to get onto a plane. It doesn't, amazingly, with plane. So onboardability is essentially a startup out of Kansas City, and they have this really easy process for credit unions to better onboard their members, which we found is a pain point as credit union members join. We want them to engage with us, but having that happen in a simple and easy way can be clumsy. And so this is going to be a way for credit unions to put that research into action. Very cool. And why is finding the new pilots? Why do we do these pilots to try to get and understand how these things work? It may surprise you, but credit unions can sometimes be a bit risk adverse. What? Yes, right? And so having the opportunity to test things with Feline in the background to do that research is a wonderful way for credit unions to dip their toes in the water, try some things, and hopefully put this research into action. Right. How does Feline decide which organizations to do these pilots, and how do we make that call? Well, it always begins with the research, so every pilot that we do is grounded in the research that we've done. The credit union executives say these are our pain points for us. And then we look for organizations that really see the value and potential in credit unions and want to learn from them as well. Well, if some organization here in a studio audience wanted to participate with us, how would they go about doing so? Yeah, so take a look at our website. You'll see some webinars coming out to launch this onboardability pilot, and we'd be thrilled to have you join us. Fantastic. Is there anything else that excites you right now that's going on in the filing industry? Yeah, you know, what's really thrilling to me is this opportunity. Credit Union said to us, 
you know, the research is compelling, the innovation intrigues us, but what do we do with it? And so if you look at that portfolio programming, it's really all about what credit needs ask for. And so being able to answer that call is pretty exciting stuff. Fantastic. Yeah. Tansy, thank you so much. We'll save some questions for the end of the program again. I want to thank you very much for your time here with us today and your sponsorship of Funding 360. Thank you very much. And we'll get you a consolation prize for trying so hard. So thank you very much. All right, everyone, this weekend's the final part of our show today. If we can have all of our presenters on stage one last time, Tansley and Andrew and our cliffhanger, George. We have one special treat for all of you to wrap up today. One bonus round. Are we ready for that bonus round? Yes, we are. Let's do it with America's favorite game. Because this is Jeopardy! Now, unfortunately, Alex couldn't be with us today, but we have this very capable colleague here, Mark Trebek! Welcome to Final Jeopardy. Okay, now this may sound familiar from part one. So let's go ahead and skip ahead to the final, final Jeopardy question. Bet you never knew this existed. Yes, it's a signature addition to the game show from Alex's cousin, Mark Trebek. So here we are. Once George has had a chance to reorientate himself from the distraction of Mark's stick-on mustache, here's what happens next. <laughs> are, are you looking? Are you looking at me? <laughs> I can't focus for that mustache. <laughs> Andrew, we'll start with you. All right, because we always start with research, don't we? So, you know, uh, thinking about the focus that we put around our research and really the value that uh, I think credits get out of our research is really uh, objective uh, third-party views into what really matters for credits. How can we better serve members? We heard that the, the, the membership growth of credits is increasing four times uh, the population growth. How can we better serve them? How can we do it in a more efficient way? Uh, and how can we uh, not only thrive for ourselves as an industry and a movement, but for Americans as well? So research really is at the center of everything that can make this industry even better than it already is. Well stated. George. So uh, I put Financial Empowerment Incubator because this is the incubator in which we're testing with 38 credit unions across the country and identifying products that are uh, suitable and beneficial for minority populations. And if you look at the statistics, uh, almost 50% of uh, African American and Latino households are unbanked or underbanked. And uh, this is a wonderful opportunity for credit unions to be able to uh, leverage that marketplace in a more effective way and better serve a vast uh, a portion of our population that's not getting great financial services. And uh, we're going to be doing that by just testing really interesting and innovative products and uh, going to be sharing those results in 2017. And hopefully that will uh, trickle down through credit unions across the U.S. and Canada. So thinking and researching, testing or doing, means nothing if it isn't making impact, Kansas. Why not? Manifesting change, I don't think any of us feel as though we're keeping up with the pace of change. And if credit unions want to be relevant into the future, we have to take the best of that research and innovation and use it to make the credit union even more powerful and to meet the member's needs. So that's it now. Okay, folks, that's it for the filing fill-in. Thanks for listening. Be sure to tune in for our upcoming lineup of podcasts. We've got another two-parter coming out soon on the origins of the Cooperative Trust. And we get to meet our newest filiner, Ryan Foss. 
And we've also got a couple of exciting new projects to introduce you to in future podcasts. So don't forget to subscribe, review us on iTunes, SoundCloud, and Stitcher, and be sure to catch us again next time on the Filene Fill-In Podcast to keep up with what's going on at Filene. Thanks, everyone. say a special thank you not only to all of you who donate to to make our work possible, but also our producers and those who make today's show possible, including Bob's Beauties, Patsy, <laughs> <laughs> as well as our producers, <laughs> on Facebook Live, and anyone wearing a finally red shirt. All right, and that's a wrap. <laughs>